give him that ditty bop Like take that, take that, take that, take that I'ma put in work, I'ma do that ASAP Throw my faith in rap, but it say don't say that, huh? What I'ma turn down for, feel like Shaq and not for Breaking glass in that backboard, I like Kobe and Toronto, huh? Dropping 81, yo I dropped the 88 Ricky Bobby, shake and bake, sleeping on it, should've stayed awake, huh? Everybody make mistakes like VJ's, tryna say my name, it's Minio Say it with me, Minio Okay, great, two fucks high, raise the stakes Risk it all, I take the hate, this the winning team Get the Gatorade, my guy good, but he's not safe, nah They try to shut us down and it ain't gon' slide Only thing I fear is God and he on my side That's the confidence of God, cause he got me That's why I really feel like you Kendrick, never be the rapper rock out from Hendrix Top 10 alive, you will never be mentioned Why I aim so high, I won't survive the trenches Plus, you a Christian, Andy They will never listen, Andy Plus, we a pigment, Andy You don't got skill, you a gimmick, Andy Well, if I listen to you And everything you put in my ear I be living like, what up, shut up, could up I be paralyzed by fear huh, Ain't that the truth? If I quit, the only way I lose I got two choices when I do this Make moves or make excuses huh? If you know who I'm talking about Then you got me my biggest enemy is me, and even I can't stop me. They try to shut us down, and it ain't gon' slide. Only thing I fear is God, and He on my side. That's the confidence of God, cause He got me. That's why I really feel like you can't stop me. because I forgot I had to do this. And so I was running to make sure this was my cue. Um, how was your all's Christmas break? I haven't seen you since Christmas and New Year's. Sweet. 
Wow, it feels so empty. I think that's probably because we're starting early. Once, once seven comes, I think it'll fill in a little bit. Sweet, so we're gonna take, I think, 90 seconds, and I have a question for you guys. Over Christmas break, what was the best Christmas present that you received? Okay, so go ahead and talk among yourselves and uh, figure that out. favorite Christmas present was actually like three days ago, I got a late Christmas present, and I got a 12-string guitar, which is like super sick, so I've been playing it like a lot, super fun. So guys, we're so excited for tonight, uh, first time back in the new year, and so we're going to start this off strong, and so would you guys just join me in lifting your hands as we pray for tonight? Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we're so excited. We're so excited to see what you're gonna do tonight. Lord, we're willing and we're open and we're ready for what you have for us tonight. Lord, would you cause our hearts to be open and vulnerable to you, that as you speak to us, we'd be ready to listen and ready to obey. Father, we give you tonight, we give you the worship time that you'd speak to us during it. God, during the message that you would speak to us and give us wisdom and knowledge through Pastor Dave. Father, we bless you, we glorify you, we honor you in everything we say and do in Jesus' name. Let's worship. Hey, DSM, how you guys feeling tonight? All right. Well, I just wanted to share real quick, this is going to be like 30 seconds, so just listen up real quick. Man, I just feel such an early just anointing of the presence of God in this place. 
And I just wanted to remind you guys of a scripture I'm sure we've heard a thousand times. It's in Jeremiah 29. And the Lord says that if you, think about you in this sentence, you, whatever your name is, fill in the blank, you. If you seek the Lord with all of your heart, if you seek him with all that is within you, scripture says that his spirit will be with you, that his presence will be found. Jesus echoes this idea in Matthew where he says, ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open to you. And I think it's easy to come in sometimes thinking, oh, we'll just see if we somehow catch the presence of God. We'll just see what happens tonight. We'll just sing the songs and we'll see if this cool emotion happens or this cool moment happens with the music. But I want to forget that tonight. If it's okay with you guys, I know these people, none of us are here for ourselves. Can we get our eyes off of people tonight? Can we get our eyes off of people? Can we get our eyes off of an emotion or a feeling or waiting for someone to deliver or waiting for a music moment to happen? But can we just say, Jesus, from the beginning, from the very get-go, our eyes are on you, not on any man, not on any person, not on any band, not on any friend, but can we just have our eyes fixed tonight? I believe the Lord wants to show up in a powerful way. He wants to blow up our expectations. He wants to go, he wants us to go deeper and farther. So you guys ready to do that tonight? Let's just all raise our hands real quick. Jesus, Jesus, we seek you. Jesus, you're the one we long for. Lord, we're not going to wait for the third song. We're not waiting for, for later in the service. God, we're jumping in right now. Lord, we're jumping in right now. We say with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, we will seek you tonight, God. We will seek you tonight, God. Our hearts are set on you. Our eyes are fixed on you, God. We're not waiting for a feeling. We're not waiting for an emotion. We're not waiting for next week. We're not waiting for our friends. We're not waiting for anything or anyone. God, we're here for you. We're here for you. So God, we choose to engage. We choose to sing. We choose to respond to your great love with passion, with all that we are. And God, we believe that if we seek you with all of our hearts, we'll find you. If we ask and we seek and we knock on the door, you will answer. We thank you, Lord, that you respond to the praises of your people. Scripture says that you inhabit the praises of your people. So here we are, God. We're here for you and for you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
something all together why don't you guys just close your close your eyes <laughs> close your eyes lift up your hands and just take a minute think on who God is think on who God is it's always good to think about who he is it's always good to think about what he does because of who he is Jesus we love who you are we love who you are. We love what you do, Jesus. Hmm. We love that you're so loving. We love that you're so graceful. We love that you never fail, that you never give up. We love that you're constant through the trial, constant through the change constant through the difficulties we believe that you are true that you are faithful that you are constant and we worship you today for that we worship you today for your goodness your faithfulness today we come before you and we profess that we believe in your faithful love we profess that we believe in how constant you are. We believe, we believe that you love now. 
never fails. We believe, we believe that your very best is what you have in mind, our very best. You have the best plans for us. We
What's up, guys? Yeah. So this is our first night of DSM 2017, right? A new year brings a new, new beginnings, a new opportunities. The old being done away with, the new has come. And, and so I don't know about you guys, but I'm just walking around in this room. And I just sense a little bit of a vibe here where there's a hunger, but it's coming from a really hopeful kind of weak place. And maybe because we haven't had DSM for a couple of weeks, you've been traveling, you're out of your rhythm, it's kind of like starting back, you start back to school, and you're not getting enough rest, and, and just your connection time with God has been struggling. Can I just see a show of hands of those in here who maybe is like, yeah, Dave, that sounds a little bit like my world the last month. Look around the room. I'm raising my hand. You want to know why? Your youth pastor has been struggling too. And so I'm in here, and I feel like there's an eagerness, though. Is there an eagerness in this room, or am I reading it wrong? Am I reading? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. This is what the Lord just told me. Thank you so much for allowing me to interrupt. But I don't want to go through the motions in 2017, guys. Do you? Do you want to just do the same old retread, retried, the same old thing tomorrow? God is doing a new thing, and he's doing a new thing in you. And the enemy right now wants you to think that you're coming in half empty, and that may feel that, like that's the fact of it, but the truth is, you are not defined by your weakness, you're defined by the power of Jesus within you. And so right now, we are gonna set the tone for this youth ministry moving forward. You've gone through some changes, and so have I. You've gone through some tough stuff, so have I. We've taken steps of faith, but you know what? We're here. We are DSM. And so because of that, we're gonna live like it. What does this mean, we are DSM? We're people who are passionately devoted to live the vow that we've taken before God and man. We're passionately devoted to be real. So tonight, like I mentioned the last time I talked to you guys, tonight, the masks come off. Reality comes in. Truthfulness and transparency is what we're gonna be defined by. We are DSM. What is DSM? What are we? We are those who live faithfully and transparently. And we say when we're screwed up, we don't try to act like we got it all together. We don't try to compare spiritual pedigrees anymore. We are defined by who we are in Christ and what we do for Him when we leave out of these doors. That is who DSM is. And I would think I'd get a better response than that. But it, clearly, Clearly, I've got work to do in this youth ministry. I'm not here to fake it, and I know you aren't either. So here's what we're going to do. I want you once again to put your hands up in the air. And this is an expression to say, okay, God, I don't have to conjure something up. And so if you've been attacked by the enemy, guys, I want to let you know what you're feeling you don't have to be defined by, okay? So you may have walked in here feeling condemned. You may have walked in here feeling like a big fake. Go ahead and put your hands down. I know they're getting tired. You may have walked in here feeling like you've really blown it. You may have walked in here saying, God, where were you? I, I don't know where you went over the holidays. But I'm coming in here and I'm just singing these words on the screen, but God, I'm not feeling it. Some of you, though, have come into this room 
and God has done a new thing in your life and you are so ready to blaze a trail in 2017, you can't stand still. Are there any of those of you in here? Let me tell you something. Under the authority that God has given me, when we say we are DSM, it's not going to be known for we are DSM, the place for clicks. When we say we are DSM, we aren't going to be known as the place where the fake Christians go. When we say we are DSM, we're no longer going to be characterized by people who don't even know us as these Jesus freaks who don't care about real people anymore. So if those things were real in the past and those things have, have funneled up to me and I've heard this kind of stuff, today's a new day. Because his mercies are new every day, guys. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to move forward. So this was a great practice worship time. Okay? So we really, we kind of got the pipes going and we're like, okay, okay. But, but now we're going to bring Jesus Christ our best. From our brokenness, from our strength, it doesn't matter. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Raise your hands. And I want you to repeat after me, Lord Jesus. We call upon you, for apart from you, we can do nothing. Pray it like you mean it. Jesus, we need you. We have no reason to be here without you. We have no hope without you. Apart from you, we can do nothing, God. But in you, we can do all things. We're overcomers. We're more than conquerors. We are saved. We are children of God. We are dearly loved. We are his masterpieces. So we will worship from this point moving on. A mighty God because we're mighty children of God. And we owe it to our Father to give him our best. Who's ready to get into 2017 for real? Let's go. Come on. Let's try it again. Come on.
together. together.
Father, we come before you tonight. And Lord, we ask for a mighty move of your, of your spirit in this city. God, would you pour out? Would you pour out in this place? Father, those that are lost, those that do not know you, we ask for a softening of their hearts, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you begin to work in them? Would you begin to arise conviction, rise questions where they have been satisfied in the past with their spirituality, with their beliefs? Lord, will they begin to ask questions? Will they begin to hear from you, Holy Spirit? Will they begin to understand that there is more to life? Father, we ask for an outpouring of your spirit. We ask that you would send workers into the fields, Lord, as the scripture says. Lord, you say that the crop is ready, but the workers are few. But Lord, here we are. So we ask that you would use us, that you would use the people that know you in Colorado Springs to call back the lost souls to you, Jesus. Father, we invite you to use us. Would you call souls back to yourself? Would you be preparing hearts, opening minds, Lord Jesus? We ask that you would have your way in this city. Here in this place, as it is in heaven, Lord Jesus, let heaven come to this place. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go back into worship, guys.
I'm a second year intern at DLA with School of Worship. We're about to worship with our giving. But before that, I want to share with you a story and a scripture verse. So I was a first year intern last year, a broke intern. I, couldn't, I didn't have any money. And um, it was December and my tuition, my second half of my tuition fee was due. And someone miraculously gave $2,000 to pay off my tuition fee. And it was amazing. And I came back from break and God was like, remember that $2,000? You haven't given your tithe on that yet. $2,000, 10% of $2,000 was $200. And I had $400 in my account. And I was planning on stretching that $200, $400 from January all the way to July. I had no idea. But God, this is what God says. In Malachi 3, if you guys haven't read this, it's crazy. God's saying you're robbing me if you're not paying your tithe. But this part, verse 10, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby, this is a kicker, he says, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. He says, put me to the test. And we know that our God is faithful. If he says this, he's going to do it. Because if he sins, then that doesn't make him God anymore. So here I am, $400 in my account. I didn't know how I was going to get money. My car was in the shop. I wanted to go to Jamaica for a mission trip. I had no idea how it was going to happen. But God says, test me test me in this so i write a check for 200 dollars, reluctantly give it put it in the white bucket and guys let me tell you my car got miraculously fixed and not only that i was able to go to mission to missions i was able to go to uh, jamaica and i didn't starve i'm still alive like he kept providing so i just want to say he is so faithful and put him to the test he says it here it's in the bible so i'm just going to pray for us and then you guys can um, return to your seats and give to the white buckets that are going to go around lord god heavenly father you are so kind and you are so faithful we know, Jesus, that we can trust you. We know that we can put our faith in you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving even us the boldness to go. And you are so worthy. Everything is yours, Jesus. So we, we give it back to you. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go back to your seats.
find a seat? Cool. I just have a few announcements. All right, so there's going to be no Chick-fil-A until February, but you guys are free to go whenever you want. It's just that we're not, like, all going at the same time, but, I mean, you can always go. Um, and that new Chick-fil-A is open up here. That's pretty neat. Um, okay, and also, for those who are planning on going on mission trip to Guyana, how do you, is that how you say it? I don't know how you say it. But there is an info packet at the info booth at the back. Don't, call, don't go out right now, but after service, you can go and check that out. And high school girls, how many high school girls do we have? Yeah, I can't really see anybody right now. But awesome. Inspire, which is our um, Bible study book group that happens on Sundays, will be returning on January 22nd. And you guys don't want to miss that. It's going to be awesome. And now check out this bumper. I think that's what we're having now. Okay. <laughs> We are DSM, is that right? That's kind of weak. Now, I know y'all are Colorado folk, but from Texas, when something like that is asked, we don't have manners in Texas, and so we're just like, yeah, right? So I'll try it again. We are DSM, is that true? I want to let y'all know something. Number one, I've been counting down the days to be back with you guys. How many of y'all were here in December when I talked about just kind of my story and, oh, wow, man, a lot of new faces. You're like, who is this guy? I'm your youth pastor. I don't know if you knew that. I am your youth pastor. And, um, wow, okay, I, I'm a little, I'm going to push this up a little bit so I can have a little room to walk around and knock my water down, and you're going to bring it right back up. Look at my boy, Jacob Northrup. Give him a hand, would you? Oh my gosh, y'all don't even know, man. So y'all had a good Christmas. We've asked that. I went to Texas. Uh, speaking of Texas, I, w I went there, and um, I'm going to set my little timer so I'm not a long-winded preacher tonight. Um, went to Texas, did the Texas tour, went to Dallas, stayed with my wife's family for a little bit. Um, how many of y'all have met, known my wife or met her, Sarah Martin, this beautiful... Oh my gosh, y'all don't even know. She's beautiful, and she's got this red hair, and she plays the cello, and she's a worship leader, so you'll get the opportunity and the privilege to be led by her over the next couple of weeks. Um, but anyway, we went down to Texas and uh, stayed with her parents for a couple of days. Then we went down to San Antonio from Dallas, and I stayed with my mom a couple of days, ate too much, gained like 10 pounds. These pants used to fit me loose. Now you can see I've got some issues tonight. I'm wearing skinny jeans and not supposed to be skinny jeans. Um, this is my world. So anyway, I got to tell you guys, um, in all seriousness, when I spoke here for the first time in, in, in the middle of December, and when I was done, um, man, I'm a human just like you, and I, I want to be loved, I want to be accepted, I'm needy, I, I need love, and I, I'm a basket case, okay? And so you'll find that out as time goes on. But I stood right there, and I was just like, hey, if you want to say hi afterward, just be sure to know that I'll be right there. And guys, I walked down afterward. After preaching my face off and just telling you my story, saying, hey, man, I ain't going to wear a mask, and you don't have to either, okay? And I stood right here, and guys, I stood in the spot till about 1045 that night. You guys were so welcoming and loving to me and gracious, and I told my wife 
This has never happened before. I've been a youth pastor at three different places. This has never happened before where after my very first night, I told God, thank you so much for these students. I love them so much. And, I, and, and of course, it takes time to fall in love with someone, but i got to tell you, God did something supernatural in my spirit, and I just couldn't wait to be back in the same room with you guys, man. So I'm so humbled. I'm so honored to be your youth pastor. So thank you for letting me come back a second time. Let's see if we can go for a good stretch and a good run with you guys. So you ready to get into the Word of God tonight? All right. So we started this new series, and I've been, we've been trying to push it a little bit on Instagram to kind of give you a heads up. It's called Live Second. Now, now what you've got to understand, for the last three and a half years, I, my title has been Youth and Culture Strategist for I Am Second, okay? That's a real fancy way of saying I travel the country and talk to students just like you and inspire them towards what it means to change your world and make a difference, Okay, and, and I still work for I Am Second. I still serve with I Am Second, and I still, I'm still going to be traveling and doing this kind of stuff, but this is where I'm home. This is home for me, okay? Um, but the reason why it matters, and this idea of living second is because we want our lives to matter. We want our stories to matter. How many of you in here, you want your life and story to count and to matter, right? For those of you not raising your hands, you have no souls, and that's okay. Um, we all want our stories to matter. We don't want to live an entire life in like obscurity and never make a difference and, and leave our mark. We want to make a difference in the world. But the thing is this. Our world and our culture will say, well, hey, of course you, man, you, yes, you want to matter. It is about you. But see, our culture's got it mixed up. Our culture says the way to be able to matter, the way to have significance, the way to have your story count, the main ingredient is you. You have to make this happen. In order to make your mark on the world and to be able to do what it is that you feel like in your spirit you need to do, the main ingredient with you. But when we choose to become second, and what I mean is we choose to exchange our life for the life of Jesus, okay, and he becomes first, and we choose to become second and put him and others first in order to really make an impact according to God, the main ingredient is Jesus, the reason why is this. Let me ask you a question and answer it honestly. Does the world need another me first person in it? Colorado, Colorado Springs, New Life Church, DSM students, let me ask you again. Does this world honestly need another me first person in it? How many of y'all have wounds on your hearts because of me first people? How many of y'all have been hurt and wounded by people's words who were putting themselves first above you? How many of y'all have been manipulated and used because of me first people? How many of y'all, the more we talk about it, you want to kick a me first person in the face? Yeah, violent. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Man, okay, all right. My next series will be on anger management. All right, I've learned this. Thank you, God. But for tonight... Me first people are the bullies in your school. Me first people are these smooth talking guys that are trying to manipulate beautiful girls into doing things that are inappropriate. Me first people are girls who are manipulating men who want to stay pure into doing things that are inappropriate. Me first people stink, and that's putting it in the Christian way. Me first people need some Jesus. What's even more disgusting 
is someone who claims to be a me second person but lives like a me first person. 2017 is going to be the year of being real, (laughs) y'all. Isn't it gross to see someone living, maybe even go to school with some people like this. Man, you come in this room, you worship, you do all the right things, but then Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday at school, they're living me first. And you're like, hold on, do you have an identical twin that loves Jesus that only shows up at DSM? Or are you just fake? This is a big deal. And guys, I have fasted, and I have prayed, and I've asked God, Lord, if you've brought me to DSM, I'm not here for a paycheck. I'm not here for a title. I'm not here for any other reason than to love you guys and point you to Jesus. So how, God, do you want me to do that? And guys, this is the truth. He has given me no other word or mandate other than we will become a youth ministry that applies what we say we believe and obeys what God tells us to do. That's the youth group that we are going to become. And we have to have a family meeting with one another. Because the truth is, is we love the idea when other people live second on our behalf. When people pour into us and they give to us and they do things for us, we love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. My wife, oh, God bless her, she brings me a hot cup of coffee to my bed every morning. For 21 years, she brings it up. Now, how I get it is a different story. Some days it's poured on my head. Some days I get to drink it. No, that's not true. She's never poured it on my head. She's probably one or two sometimes. But she's a me second woman. She loves serving. She loves Jesus. And guys, here's the truth, man. Most days you want to know what your youth pastor's like. I'm a me first person too. That's the truth of it. I wake up in the morning, I want to be a me second person. But guys, sometimes I don't sleep that well. Or sometimes something happens and someone says something to me that just makes me mad. Like, Or I see something on Facebook, and then I have to respond, and I have to preach a little sermonette, but it's not coming from the right spirit. That's me first. Like, sometimes I want my way over other people's way. Anybody in here like that? Anybody feel me? Some days you just feel first, and you are first, and Jesus is like ninth. How do we live second? Well, man, it's, it's walking with God faithfully every day, doing the best you can, trusting him. Some days you're going to do it. Other days you're not. That's not the point. I'm not here to guilt you tonight. But if we really want this year to make a difference, like some of y'all, you made like New Year's resolutions, right? And you said this coming year, I'm going to do a couple things, right? For my body, I'm going to try to lose a couple pounds or I'm going to try to get that six-pack abs, you know, because so I can put it on Instagram and and take pictures of myself in the mirror because that's so important. And, And, you know, things like that, right? Or maybe, maybe you're going, man, this year I want to read through the entire Bible in a year. Big goals, right? Um, some of you, you're like, you know, I just want to be more bold in my faith at school. Some of you, that's, that's kind of what you've articulated on your New Year's resolutions. And, and we go, okay, that's good. But it's only as good as the paper it's written on unless we begin to go, how do I get to the six-pack ab world? Guys, I've been wishing that every year for all my life. <laughs> and since I was like 15, ain't never happened. But you know why? I've never done sit-ups more than three in a row. And then I go take a nap, right? And that's what we do spiritually, though. We, we're nap takers. We go, this year, I'm going to blaze for the kingdom of God. I'm going to burn brightly for Jesus. I'm going to go wreck my school and turn it upside down for Jesus. I'm going to do all these things. You know what I mean? 
It's kind of messed up. It's kind of dysfunctional if you think about it. And then we, we come in here and we feel really con- condemned and we feel like, oh, I'm not a good Christian and I'm not as spiritual as Billy Bob. I'm not as spiritual, spiritual as Sally Sue because we know Sally Sue comes to our youth group. If she doesn't, you all need to find a Sally Sue and invite her to DSM. We need a Sally Sue in here. You're going to find that I don't stay on my notes often. But here's the thing. My whole point is this. I sense a spirit in here where you really want to go deeper with God. I do. I see that. I see it in your faces. I see it in your worship. I also see a a spirit in here that goes, I want more. I want to do more, but I'm kind of in this place of limbo. Like I've learned how to hear from God. I've learned how to experience God. I've learned, I know about God. I know him well. I, I just don't know how that translates to Monday. I don't know how that translates when I walk into my school and there are thousands of people that just could care less about Jesus, so you think. And we go in and we're like, Maybe I'll just be a good witness by not cussing, and that's good. But could it be that God has more in store for you in terms of your capacity to impact your world in a way that people go, that person lives second. They're not a me first person. How do we do that? You see, when we begin to appreciate this idea of putting God and others first, here's what happens. This allows us to say, Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and actually see it happen. You and I are going to blaze the trail this coming year, my friend. And we need to inspire the rest in here. Did you all not hear what I said? Do you think that God, with this prayer, when Jesus says, when Jesus says, hey, I'll teach you how to pray. When he says, I'll teach you how to pray. May your name be made great and holy, and may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said that. He said, pray that way. Why? So we could just get goosebumps and go home and never count on that happening? Are you kidding? The kingdom of God is already here. It's just we're not tapping into it. The kingdom of God is already established. Put your hammer down. Live in the kingdom of God. We don't need to build it, y'all. And the kingdom of God is in your schools because you're there. Because the kingdom of God lives within you. We, meet, we need to move from this passive, oh God, one day maybe I could be used of you, to going, no. If Jesus lives within me, I've got all that I need. All of the gifts are mine. Jesus says, all my promises are yes and amen in your life. we got to wake up. It's time to live second and take our eyes off of what we don't think we have or what we're not. Or we're only coming in here for ourselves, saying, God, I need you. I need the experience for you. But we don't have a heart for those around us. If you want to experience the power of God more than any other time in your life, share Jesus with someone and live second. This is a great place to experience God, but this is only one facet of who he is. The way I explained it to the DLA students is this. My wife and I have been married for 21 years. If all we did was hang out with one another and gaze beautifully into one another's eyes and said, I love you, Pookie Bear, and she looks back at me, oh, Big Daddy, I love you too. She's never called me that, but I sure wish she would. Put that on your prayer list, okay? Oh, you bald, amazing, big old slop and scoop of man right? I don't know. That, that one would actually scare me if she said that. And we just had these beautiful, intimate moments like, oh, tell me, tell me one of your most precious secrets. And, and then I would share with her this beautiful intimacy. 
And if we never left the house for the last 21 years, guys, there would be some neglect that would begin to show in our lives. We would have weeds four feet tall in the front lawn. We would have garbage stacked up in our kitchen, and it would smell like a dump in there, right? We, there would be underwear that are not washed. We need someone's got to wash the underwear, y'all. Amen? You better be saying amen because you're probably sitting next to someone who has some unclean underwear. Praise God for washing machines. Here's my point. Say, Dave, what is your point? My point is, is at some point, someone's got to go out and cut some grass. At some point, someone's got to take out the garbage. At some point, someone's got to put some socks and underwear in the washer. You see, it's a balance. And if all we do is come in here, it was just beautiful, and say, God, tell me your secrets. I love you. You're my father. I worship you. Yes, yes. But at some point, he's like, guys, get to work. Get to work. Get out of the house. We got some grass to cut. We got some people to be able to share Christ with. We got to live second. And when you do that, God's kingdom comes and his will is being accomplished in and through you wherever you go. You want to know how easy. This is the easiest way you could tell if someone is living second. You ready? You're going to be like, no. Oh, yeah, this is it. One word. Compassion. If you want to do a quick test to see if you're living second, look at your level of compassion. And you go, I don't understand that. No, check it out. Showing compassion to those around us. But the second thing is this. Look at this. Sharing your second story and God's story. And you go, I don't know what that means. Oh, you'll find out. Isn't that right, DLA students? We'll get to that. But for tonight, we're going to talk about compassion. You see, in Matthew 9, 36, it says this. When Jesus saw the crowds, and I want you to say it out loud, he had what? That's weak. He had what? Oh, now we're getting there. Hi, I'm David Martin, your youth pastor. So glad you decided to show up. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were what? They were harassed. They were helpless. And get this, guys. They were like sheep without a shepherd. No one leading them. They were fending for themselves. Let me ask you something, D DSM. How many people in here feel like you're harassed and helpless tonight? I never want this to be of a youth group where a student comes in here feeling that way and leaves feeling that way. That means we got to be absent of cliques. That means when we come into this room, we look for the kids sitting by themselves. That means when you walk in this room with a group of people and you see another group of people that you don't know, you don't go, oh my gosh, I can't believe she tried to match that purse with those shoes. Or you go, oh, that dude does not lift. No. We, we break up we break up our little cliques, right? And, and listen, don't, don't get me wrong. It's cool to have friends in here. And it's cool to be able to look forward to seeing them and hang out and sit and worship. With them. Don't get me wrong. But don't do it to the exclusion of those who are around you, right? Because we're a family. If we're a family, then we accept everybody. We accept the cool kids, the weird kids, the creepy uncle, whoever, man. Why? Because we're family. We're in the family of God. 
So I would encourage you as my first point, that's not official. I'm just telling you guys, look around the room. And then when you leave in this lobby, who's going to live second and go up to introduce yourself to someone you have no idea who they are? Yes, it's awkward. But see, we have compassion because we don't want anybody to come to DSM to feel harassed and helpless when they walk out the doors. We're supposed to be the ones with the answer. And the way that the answer is going to be real is by how we treat one another. Compassion, like sheep without a shepherd, man. Oh, dude, I got so much to say in so little time. Lord, help me in Jesus' name. You see, this is your youth group. Say it's my youth group. Say it. It's your youth group. It's not mine. It's not my youth group. It's not your youth pastor's youth group, and it doesn't belong to DLA either. It doesn't even belong to New Life Church. Whose youth group does this belong to? No, it belongs to y'all. Good Sunday school answer. Better luck next time. But for this time, it belongs to you. And there, if you make good, good grades, okay, and you get out of high school and you graduate, what you leave here is on you. But there's 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth graders that are kind of following your lead, okay? And they're going, well, if they do this, then maybe I can. And then if you begin to show by example what we're talking about here, about what it means to live second, they're going to look at you and go, oh, that's, we are DSM. That's who we are. And that's the legacy that you leave in addition to the life change that takes place. I love walking on this stage, by the way. But listen to this, because how many of y'all claim Jesus to be Savior of your life? Let me, let me see a show of hands. Okay. 2 Corinthians has some good news for you, something that you need to understand in this idea of compassion. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He's, so he's the God of all, okay, who comforts us in our affliction. So if some of you, you're walking in and your heart is in shreds, and I don't know why, but God knows why. And so for those in here tonight who feel like you're a million miles away from God or you don't even know him, I want to let you know that the God we've been singing to tonight, he calls himself the God of comfort. You need to be comforted tonight. Let us help you. Let us pray with you. Let us serve you. We, don't, we want you to walk out understanding that God is the comforter. For those of you who have been comforted by God at some point, and even in this moment, he comforts us in our affliction. Why? Not just for our own sake, but everybody say so. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. Can I tell you a secret about God? If he comforts you, he gives you more than what you need so that you could share some with your friend. Isn't that amazing? Like he doesn't go, one and done. You get one, eat what you take, take what you eat. No, he says, here, no, 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 let me give you about nine more scoops of comfort. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to walk with you. I love you. But guess what? I'm going to give you a couple more for the trail. And so when you go to your school, I've got extra comfort that I just want you to give out to your friends. No, no strings attached. They don't have to stop cussing. They don't have to stop smoking weed. They don't have to look the right way. They don't have to smell the right way. No, no, no. Just give them the comfort, man. It didn't cost you anything anyway. It cost my son everything, so let, let it be on his dime. Be generous with comfort. 
So those in your school who have no hope, who are harassed and helpless like sheep with no shepherd, if you've been comforted by God, God's saying, I've given you comfort, but guess what? So you can also give those comfort, those who are in affliction in your world. This is the idea of what it means to live second. You see, this is not going to be a holy huddle. This is in here where we learn and we grow and we're challenged and we worship, we recharge, we're with family, we're with community, we share the gospel, yes. But man, this is so that you can go out, not come in. We're a sending church, not a receiving church. Pastor Brady said something, the first sermon, I've been going to New Life for like a year and a half. And one of the things he said in his first sermon, he said, listen, those who have been rescued make the best rescuers. If you've been rescued by Jesus, you're the most qualified person in the world to rescue someone else. This is the live second lifestyle. There was a time that there was this religious expert. He was kind of like this guy who would be an expert on uh, like constitutional law, okay? So he knew, he like had a doctorate degree in religious law. And he was so well-versed at the law that he would actually travel around and tell other people who weren't as educated as he was about what the law meant, okay? So he would go around saying, hey, to follow God, this is how you would interpret the scripture. He was like a preacher, but he knew the law. He was like a constitutional, he's a lawyer, okay? So he knows the law inside and out. Well, there was this time in Luke 10, 25, he finds Jesus, and he comes up to Jesus, and he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question. If you're going to ask anybody the question, Jesus is probably a good start. Since he's the only way to be able to have eternal life. And so the religious leader is standing there waiting for Jesus to answer. And Jesus says this. He says, well, how do you think someone inherits eternal life? You see, Jesus knew that he was a religious lawyer, this, this brilliant mind who knew the, the laws of God backwards and forwards. So he, Jesus is going to have some fun with this guy. Jesus says, well, I, I mean, I can answer, but what would you say? Well, the religious leader immediately quotes Scripture, and he says, oh, well, uh, uh, in Deuteronomy 6.5, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he answers correctly, and he tells Jesus this. In other words, put God and others first. You know what he's really saying, the lawyer? Well, Jesus, who everybody knows that if you live second, you got it. What does Jesus say, though? You see, a lot of times we know the Jesus right answer. We know the Sunday school answer. Well, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, I'm done. It's not that fast. Knowing the answer doesn't mean that you apply it. And so Jesus says to him, though, he says, no, you've answered correctly. Absolutely. He says, as a matter of fact, do this and you're going to live. Do this, you've got eternal life. But isn't this just like us and definitely isn't this just like an attorney? You know what he says back to Jesus? He doesn't walk away and go, yes, I'm nailing it. No, he goes, uh, well, but Jesus, who exactly is my neighbor? Isn't that just like us? We go, Jesus, where exactly is the line for me 
to be able to have all the blessings, to be able to have all of the spirit, to be able to have all the joy, the hot boyfriend, the hot girlfriend, to be able to get into the college that I'm applying for. Where's the line that I've got to serve you and do this loving others first thing to where I can get right here and that's all I need to know. How far, God, can I go sexually with someone before you're upset? I just need to know the line. And that's what this guy's asking. Jesus, who, who exactly is my neighbor so I can just love them and then forget about everybody else? Where's the line? Jesus says, all right, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. He said, um, there was this, there's this guy traveling and, and one day he was traveling, and he was traveling between Jerusalem and Jericho. Now, this lawyer would know this road. Now, what's like the most dangerous road at 2 o'clock in the morning here in Colorado Springs? Can someone just name a road that you would like, you don't want to go on this road? What is it? Say it real loud so I can use it as an example. What is it? Pointer? Voyager. 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 Bro, don't jack with me. Someone give me a real answer. Platt. Platt. I've just offended like 19 people in here by using that as a whatever. So, fill in the blank. Whether it be Voyager, which is where our church is located, that's awesome, or, uh, or, or somewhere else. The place where you would last want to be with a big sack of money cruising along at 2 o'clock in the morning. So, all right, that joke was funny the first nine times. Now let's go. So here's the deal. <laughs> Jesus is saying, this guy's traveling. And so the religious lawyer is going, oh, yeah, that's a very dangerous road. But it was the only way to be able to connect these two towns. Bandits would hang out, and they would rob you left and right, because he could hang out in caves and little, little alcoves and sit in the ditch and just ambush you. And so Jesus is saying, this guy was traveling, and he got robbed. And so the lawyer's going, okay, go on. He, Jesus goes on to explain that this man was beaten and bloody and beaten half to death, and they stripped him completely bare, took all of his money, and left him in a ditch to die. But Jesus says in the story to this guy, if you look at the original language of the story, Jesus says, but by some stroke of luck, that's the terminology Jesus was using. He said, but by some stroke of luck, a priest comes walking by. Oh, thank God. If you're the man in the ditch, hey, the priest is supposed to be following the rules, doing all the right things. They help people. But Jesus said in this story, the priest walked by and went, oh, dude, you're going to need an aspirin tomorrow. And keeps on walking. And he's laying there like, dude, I'm bleeding from every orifice of my body. Can you help? Okay. But then Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. But here comes a worship leader. One of the temple, one of the temple uh, worshipers comes walking by. And he goes, and Jesus says, he looks at him and goes on the other side of the road going, I don't do germs. I'm a germaphobe. Can't touch that. Keeps on walking. But Jesus says a Samaritan comes. Now, you got to understand, Samaritans back in the day, you have to understand, especially for this religious lawyer, these, like, a, like a hardcore Jew looked at Samaritans literally on the same level of a dog. 
they absolutely could not stand Samaritans. Like, I'm not even, seriously, they hated them. They disgusted them. Even to look at them freaked them out. But Jesus in the story is saying, this dog, this person who has made a hybrid of like mysticism and God's laws come, comes walking by. Well, surely that guy's not going to do anything. But Jesus says he stops. Everybody say stops. You see, guys, in all seriousness, man, there's kids in this town in this last year who have killed themselves. This is like not a, oh, I'm going to be nice to somebody kind of deal. There's kids that you go to school with, guys, that are wrecked. They have no love in their lives. There are students that are in this youth group, and they're sitting in a crowd of people, and they feel completely alone. But this guy, who shouldn't know better, he stops. How many of you are willing to stop when you see an injustice at your school? How many of you are willing to stop what you're doing to speak into a situation that you see is wrong, where that person's been beat up or been bullied or being made fun of or being forced to be ostracized out of the group? How many of us are willing to stop? The Samaritan stops. And not only does he stop, he looks at him, he picks this half-dead man up who's a Jew, and he puts him on the donkey, and he takes him into town, and he goes to the nearest hotel. Get this. And he tells the hotel owner this. He said, listen, I'm still, i got to be gone for a couple of weeks, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay in advance, and here's, I'm going to pay for the next couple of weeks. If you look at the math, he's paying like six, $700, and then he says, I'm going to pay for all of his medical care as well. So here's some extra money. I want you to take care of him. And in and, and, and all of that, the Samaritan tells the guy in this story that Jesus is sharing with this religious or this religious law guy, the lawyer, he says, and the Samaritan says, hey, by the way, I'm going to be cruising back. And if you run out of money or if he needs to stay longer or needs more medical attention, let me know and I'll keep paying for it. I could see this story hasn't moved you to the point that it needs to. So let me put it in other terms. Let's say there's a dude and he's on the most ghetto part of town, which we all know is Voyager Parkway. <laughs> You're welcome. I love you, bro. So he's on Voyager Parkway, and his car breaks down, and he's walking, and he's just minding his own business. And then some people roll by. They roll down the window. They see that he's got a little bit of money on him. He's got a nice, he's got the new 7 iPhone, whatever. And they jump out. They take his money, they take his cell phone, they strip him, and they beat him half to death. And the poor dude is laying on the side of Voyager, bleeding, and he's going to die, and it's cold out. Okay, get the picture? But Pastor Brady happened to be driving by. And he's cruising along, and he's such an angel. We love Pastor Brady, but in this instant, he's got some stuff to do maybe. He's got his mind on other things. But if I'm laying in the ditch, how about you? You go, Pastor Brady's here. I got help. But he goes, oh, I really wish I had more time for you, but I just can't do it. And he keeps on going. How many of you all would be so excited to go back to church that next Sunday? You go, thanks for nothing. Then, oh, but John Egan, right? He comes cruising along. 
oh, thank God for John Egan. He's strumming and walking, playing his guitar, worshiping. And then he looks at you and he goes, oh, I am going to barf. Dude. But then, but then you're laying there, you go, there's no hope. But then all of a sudden, Kim Kardashian comes walking by. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I'm going to help you. This is so gross, but uh, let's do an Instagram selfie real quick. Okay. Do you see the absurdity in the story? What's wrong with this picture? People who say they live second, but they really live first when it counts. This is a picture that Jesus is pointing out. And I want to let you know something, guys. Y'all... Y'all, we got to get this. We have to really get this. Because people are looking at you and they know what you're about a little bit. They know you come here. They know you claim to be a Christian. But when push comes to shove and you see a need and we don't address it, we're like the people that Jesus is describing in the first two parts of the story. We need more King Kardashians in our youth group. Post that on Instagram as a quote, at Real David Martin. My wife, she was telling me, this was over Christmas a couple years ago, and we were driving by the mall, and it was packed full of cars. And we started talking about, now I've known her for a long time, but I never knew this part of her story. She, uh, we were cruising along, and I was like, what was like, like the craziest, like the worst Christmas thing, gift, let me back up. What was the thing you wanted most for Christmas? I need sleep, y'all. You need me to pray, I get some sleep. And, uh. She's like, oh, man, when I was 13, there was this, like, the coolest thing. It was, like, the Coca-Cola shirt. Do y'all know? Y'all don't know anything about that. Back in the 80s, okay, in 1985, 86, there was this Coca-Cola shirt that was, like, it was, like, the, what, what's, the, what's Kanye's shoe, man? Because I can't afford them. I don't know what the, Wheezy's? Yeezy's. Overrated tennis shoe. That's, that's, that's about to be its real name, but that's okay. This was, like, the Yeezy of 1985, Correct? All right, I'm old, y'all. What do you want? So, <laughs> so anyway, the Coca-Cola shirt was it. It was the ha- must-have item. And the problem was is there's two issues. There, it was expensive, but the second thing was that was tr- really, really hard to get. So everybody wanted the Coca-Cola shirt back in that day. Now, it wasn't just a T-shirt. What it was, it was a polo shirt that had, like, these colors on it, and it looked really cool, and it said Coca-Cola on across the front. Well, my wife was begging my mom or her mom to be a get her one for Christmas, and her mom said, no, it's too expensive, and we don't do name brands, okay? No, we're not doing it. But Christmas rolls around, and my wife, she said, I went to, it's 13, she said, I went to the Christmas tree. It's like the Christmas story, right? The Red Rider BB gun. She said, I walked over there. She said, I got the box. I opened it up. I couldn't believe it. My mom bought me a Coca-Cola shirt. I said, your mom did that? I know your mom. That's crazy. I can't believe it. She's like, no, hold on. She says, so you know how when you come back after Christmas and it's the first day of school, you always wear your coolest outfit and to show off your coolest stuff? And, uh, well, most people do, but you're godly, so you don't do that. And so, anyway, she said she went to school and she's rocking her Coca-Cola shirt. And her friends were like, no way. How did you get one? Oh, my gosh, you have the coolest mom ever. Right? This kind of thing. She's like walking around like, oh, this whole thing. Oh, no big deal. Whatevs. Right? Well, at lunchtime, she's sitting across from her friend. And her friend goes, Sarah, I think there's something wrong with your shirt. And my wife is like, oh, my gosh, did I get something else? She's like, no. You don't have a Coca-Cola shirt. My wife's like, shut up. Yes, I do. 13, junior high, you know. Shut up. And she's like, no, 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 really. 
that's not a Coca-Cola shirt. She said, look at the A. It's instead of an O, it was an A. You get it? My beautiful, poor, 13-year-old future wife was wearing a Coca-Cola shirt. In Texas, that's slang for poo-poo, all right? She was wearing a poo-poo cola shirt for the entire day, and she went from being so cool to, ah, right, humiliated. Why do I share that story with you? Because from a distance, it looked like a Coca-Cola shirt. But upon closer inspection, they realized it was fake. Upon closer inspection, as people begin to look at you a little bit more closely, are they seeing the real deal? Or are they seeing a student that from a distance looks like a Christian, but is fake as a day is long? Compassion is what's going to define, in many ways, what you look like to those who are watching you and paying attention to the details of your life. It could be the reason why they don't want to come here is because they don't want to be in a room with a bunch of Coca-Cola Christians. So who's your neighbor? In closing, anybody that God puts across your path. They don't have to believe like you. They may even hate Jesus. They don't have to look like you or dress like you or have the same zip code as you. They don't have to be anything. Jesus says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's our neighbor? DSM. Anybody that God puts across your path. And so I want to let you know, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. You belong here. And I hope that you experience the compassion of God through us, through the owners of this youth group, which are those sitting in these chairs we got to go from conformers to transformers. We need to stop chasing people's opinions and begin to chase the favor of God. And the way we're going to do that is by showing compassion because that reflects the heart of the Father. Does that make sense? This is a big deal because the rest of the series won't make any sense unless we tackle this first. So while the band comes up, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close with a verse. It's 8 o'clock. We want to honor your parents. I went long-winded tonight, but I had a lot to say because I haven't preached for a while. But can I just read what practically, you're like, David, how do I show compassion? Am I supposed to, like, run around to people and just go, oh, poor baby, oh, right? And you don't even know why, right? That's kind of weird. You're going to get maced in the face. So if you're, if you're going, okay, David, I get it. How do I show compassion? Because I'm, I, I know being nice is compassionate, but what can I honestly do? Oh, guys, the Bible is so good. You know what the Bible says? You want to know how to be compassionate? Please put it on the screen really quickly. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. Why? Because that's what me first people do. No, Take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, you know what Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the universe did? 
Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And then the reward that he got was he died a criminal's death on the cross. Some deal, right? Why? Because he looked at you and he looked at me and he had compassion because he saw that in our lives we were harassed and helpless and we were sheep without a shepherd. And he said, these people need a shepherd and I'll be their shepherd. I'll lay down my life for them so that they could have someone that they could run to and be safe in the forgiveness and the grace of the Father. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I lead you beside still waters. But that water, there's a lot to drink and you're not able to drink it all. Why don't you take some friends and show compassion and show them where this water is at that the good shepherd has shown you? Man, he took the humble position as a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Yeah, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, Every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess. Confess it with me. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, our Holy Father in heaven. Yeah. So with that said, how can we bring glory to God? How can we declare and confess that Jesus is Lord when we don't live like it? So here's the story. Today's a new day. This is a new year. Whatever you were known for or whatever you can't forgive yourself for is gone. That's the beauty that the good shepherd brings to. He says, I have no idea what you're talking about. His mercies are new every day. You're beloved children of God. And it's time for our folks around us in Colorado Springs at our schools, in our homes, your parents, they need to see that Jesus is Lord in your life. Cool? Can you bring a friend next week? Because I'm going to give the gospel next week. And I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel too, so I don't have to do it all the time. This is going to be a nutty year. And God is going to move so powerfully through you guys. And I can't wait to serve with you. I can't wait to wreck this town for the kingdom of God with you. I love you guys so much. So stand and let's pray in Jesus' name. Father, we come before you. Oh, Lord, thank you for letting me spit this out. <sighs> as passionate as I preach, Lord, I lack compassion. Passion is not compassion. Lord, may we be more focused on our compassion in this season than our passion. We confess, Jesus, that you are Lord, but Lord, you've got to be Lord over our lives. And so we confess that you are Lord, but Lord, may we confess that you're Lord through our behavior and that we can look at those in different eyes tomorrow and see sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. May we reflect the nature of the good shepherd within us. Bless these students. Bless them for showing up. Father, thank you for them, man. I just love them. Thank you for the gift of this ministry. And Lord, make Voyager Parkway a safer place. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a good week. See ya.